Hello, Geek Vibes Nation. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the best wrestling news that you can possibly get out of any podcast and or service, out of anyone. doesn't matter. We are better than them. That's at least what I'm going to tell myself every night before I cry. Anyways, <laughs> hope you guys have had cream a of the, great cream week. Of the crop. <laughs> the cream of the crop. Um, and uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're new listeners, we do this every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, uh, and breakdown wrestling, basically, of all different types and sizes, just like, uh, you know, uh, other stuff. Okay, anyways, Chris, how's it going, man? Our wonderful co-host, brother Christopher Ray Patton, saving me at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Um, it's cracked up the year. Excited, as always, to talk about wrestling. Um, sorry we missed uh, last week's show. I had some family stuff going on, so I'll take the L on that one. But, uh, damn, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. I'm excited for it. How about you, Dane? How's, how's your week doing? Doing good, man, doing good. Uh, excited to talk, like, you know, you just said about some wrestling. Yeah, I apologize about last week. Not only that, I mean, it was kind of the fourth week anyways, and we're busy with uh, other things I had to work. But, um, hey, we did give you four hours of content you know, a couple of days before on that Saturday. So we got nerdy. We did miss Fighter Fest. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to make up for that for our review for Fight of the Fallen uh, next week. And we will be breaking down that and the Evolve pay-per-view and Extreme Rules. So uh, let's get to the news. Uh, the first set of news um, items is uh, not is some, uh, some sad news. Uh, Wanted to give a big RIP to Rip Torn, who's an actor, but just get that out of the way because he passed away today. Great actor. Um, but also, obviously, uh, for, for Mexico, uh, both Pedro Aguayo and uh, Paco Alonso both passed away. Um, I know that I don't know a lot about both uh, gentlemen. I know that, you know, the outpour of support that both guys got um, – you know, from other wrestlers, basically. Uh, upon hearing about their passings, uh, Pero, uh, his uh, his son actually was unfortunately uh, killed a couple of years in a little freak accident that kind of uh, tied it into Rey Mysterio hitting him, I believe, with a 619. Uh, but it was something, uh, something that happened within the match, but uh, that was a big story. But, I mean, he's known for kind of being uh, one of the bigger uh, – people within AAA. He's actually one of the founders of AAA, uh, which is the third biggest wrestling company in the world, Mexico's number one wrestling uh, company. And uh, he definitely helped out Conan uh, throughout the 80s become a superstar. And, you know, we've talked about this before, like the Hulk Hogan, if you will, how he was in the 80s. That's how Conan was perceived in Mexico. Uh, Vampiro also obviously got a lot of help from this gentleman. He was a great wrestler, a great promoter, um, and, uh, his passing is unfortunate. Also, uh, Paco Alonso, who is, uh, he's been the president of CMLL, uh, for a very, very long time. Uh, many wrestlers, including Chris Jericho, who had a very heartfelt, uh, goodbye, uh, on his Twitter that he put on uh, social media. If you'd like to check it out. Um, just a, a great president, um, and helped out a lot of, um, wrestlers, you know, uh, get their career going. Um, and, and start them off in the right direction. And CMLL has always been kind of the more wrestling. Well, it's kind of hard to say that with uh, with Lucha Libre since it's so specific, but more of the wrestling-driven stuff. And uh, he made a huge um, organization in Mexico 
or, or led it, I should say, um, into a lot of uh, prosperous years. And uh, I'm sure that he had to do with, uh, you know, the combination over with New Japan and becoming partnership w- uh, with them. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing in their uh, situation with CMLL uh, is because of his passing, they didn't have anyone in place since it was kind of suddenly, and he was rather young, uh, for someone to take over. So they're trying to figure that out right now over uh, within CMLL. Apparently his daughter, who's like in her mid-20s, I believe, maybe 25, I, I heard, um, she doesn't have a lot of passion within wrestlings. Um, and I know, I, I believe they said that Ultimo Guerrero is the head booker over there, if, if I'm correct. Uh, but I don't think he either wants that responsibility. So they got a little bit of a, it's uh, definitely, I mean, it's always unfortunate when someone passes, but then also that whole entire you know, that, that hole they got to fill basically. So we can kind of go into that uh, more so, but uh, just in general uh, with the passing of both Pedro and uh, Paco, you know, say whatever you'd like to say about either individual. Chris. Yeah. Very, very unfortunate passings on both parties for different reasons. Obviously Paco Alonso, I think the only person who has ran a company as long as him at this point would be Vince. I mean, he's, he's been in place with, with, uh, CML, CMLL for as long as I can remember and even longer. Um, Piero Aguayo, obviously legend, inducted to the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, which I consider the Hall of Fame that actually means means something um, in a lot of ways. Uh, PWI rated him like 38th or 39th best wrestler during the PWI years. One of the biggest box office draws they had, I would say probably, you know, as far as the way he worked in the ring, he very similar to like a Bruno San Martino or a Hulk Hogan or in, in, in even the grittiness of, of a Terry Funk at times. And obviously, he's owned, you know, his feuds with El Santos and uh, even some of the matches with Blue Demon. And then later on in his career, working with his son, Pero Aguayo Jr., who was also, you know, like we said, unfortunately passed away. Um, just a sad day uh, for, you know, luchador wrestling and Mexican wrestling in general. With Paco Alonso, I don't know as much about CMLL as AAA. Uh, I do know that he's also a Hall of Famer, and he—I mean, God—he—he's been running, like I said, CMLL as long as I, I've known, and I can't think of—I uh, can't think of a time when he didn't run that company. I think it started in '75 up until now, so that's a long streak, and, and they definitely have a big hole to fill, and. Uh, I, the one thing that I will say is that he's kind of known as someone that didn't care as much about booking. He wasn't all up in like how the matches were set up and made. Um, he was more just about running the company, steering the ship, uh, uh, kind of staying out of like the day-to-day operations. Um, unlike, you know, Vince, for instance, but uh, yeah, huge loss for the wrestling world in general. And um, definitely, I think I'm going to go check out some more Piero Guayo this weekend and, and tune, tune into some of those, Earlier matches with El Santos, who's also a legend in his in his own right, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a uh, well. We'll see if we have time this weekend. Maybe maybe I'll try to do that tomorrow before uh, all of these damn pay per views set off over the weekend. Oh geez, no kidding. But uh, yeah, completely agree. And uh, you know, like we normally do, want to give them uh, ten seconds of respect. So we'll start that right now. All right, well, let's move on uh, from a somber note to, you know, involving, obviously, AAA. This is going to be the uh, weirdest segue I've ever done in my life. But um, 
to something involving AAA uh, as in today, Chris. Um, I think I did that one all right. I was I was trying, guys, to make it, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard when you're talking about a legend of AAA that founded it that just passed away. But this is news involving that, in which we found out that you know we know that AEW has a um, a working relationship with AAA. Obviously, that's why the Lucha Brothers are are over here. And they're going to be able to bounce back and forth. And we're going to see a lot more of outpour um, with different AAA wrestlers. So my favorite wacky pay-per-view is coming back up, Chris. This is the fourth one I've watched live uh, of Triple Mania. And uh, it's usually just a, a, a lot of fun. Some of it scary. Uh, I've watched someone jump off the top of the, um, what is it, the Arena Mexico uh, like literally the lighting fixture on the top of the ceiling. Somehow he got there. I don't remember how he climbed there, but he jumped off the top of it and a bunch of people. It was insane. But uh, there's also a lot of uh, fun wrestling. Uh, you know, I don't remember people that – I think it was the uh, – there was a cage match with L.A. Park and Pentagon. And I think it was Mask versus Mask last year, if I'm correct. But uh, either way – the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because that they're having a match uh, specifically with Cody Rhodes uh, teaming up with two guys from over there uh, of Cain Velasquez. You might you might know that name, MMA wrestling legend uh, or MMA legend, I should say, not wrestling legend, but uh, also was someone that legitimately beat Brock Lesnar in a fight. But anyways, him and Psycho Clown, which along with Pentagon are probably their two biggest stars. Um, and they're going to be having a Mex uh, match, I believe, against Toros, uh, Texcano Jr., and someone else. Uh, oh, it's a mystery opponent that we don't know yet. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, but either way, just the fact that it's, it's very exciting with Cain Velasquez in, in general – um, Chris, and you know, he's someone I definitely kept an eye on when I wasn't paying attention to uh, MMA. You know, he kind of started his rise when I started getting out of it, much like John Jones, actually. I think we uh, were talking about that on Monday. Suck cheap plug. Um, but the involvement with AAA, are you excited to see uh, Cody and I'm sure other wrestlers like Sammy Guevara, uh, Lucha Brothers? You know, or just the just the involvement that maybe will help out with the production level uh, with Triple Mania AE or Triple A's biggest, um, you know, yearly WrestleMania like thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some really interesting matches on here. I mean, even outside of those, like Blue Demon Junior versus Ray Wagner, you get a, a mask versus hair. Uh, match, which will, which will be fun. I mean, both of the guys are older, but I think that they'll you know they're going to have a damn good match. Regardless, that that to me is going to be something to look forward to, as well as uh, you know the main event. You got the Rado Kid and the Lucha Brothers versus the Elite, which in itself is going to be great. And uh, I'm excited to see Cody and Kane Velasquez team together because I think Kane's a, a big name that you can bring into uh, AEW if you wanted to in a lot of ways, and and uh, it would be a good presence as far as like a big body guy similar to Brock Lesnar, and that's something that their company doesn't really have. Now, I don't know how willing they are to work out that deal, but uh, it could be, you know, this could build into something that's very interesting. And also the female match on this card, uh, it, the, it's a seven, uh, seven women's 
TLC match essentially for the title, which I think is going to be absolutely incredible. And Tessa Blanchard's there coming off a, a great match at at uh, it was Slam Anniversary, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. with 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 Sammy Callahan. So I'm looking forward to a lot of matches on this card, and and and, and even I, I don't know what the I guess there's going to be a battle royal at the beginning. I, so that match, I'm not really. You know, no one's really been announced for it, but um, you're going to get to see legends like Laparca and, and and Superfly. So there, there's just going to be some good stuff all around on this card. I think it's going to be really fun, and and always a you know a mask versus hair match really sets off a good triple mania card. So it, it's going to be exciting as hell to watch on August third. So uh, all around looking forward to it. Is there another match that stands out to you besides those top card matches, or something that you're really looking forward to, Dane? No, now that I'm looking at the card in front of me, I mean, I think the biggest one, obviously, is that uh, that rematch between the Elite and uh, Pentagon, Phoenix, and Laredo Kid, and then the one that we know of that's uh, Cody teaming up with Psycho and Kane, but the ladies really got my eye. I know that there's seven of them, but at least I'm pretty sure I know four of them. I definitely know uh, Ty Valkyrie, Tessa Blanchard, and Fabi Apache. Um, I believe she's a champion still. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. But, uh, yeah, this is this is stacked. This year's stacked. I'm sure since they have involvement, I, I'm, I'm assuming there might be a little bit of help production-wise from AEW involved in this because I think that's been one of the biggest flaws of Triple Mania. They've gotten better and better, but they still have their errors uh, there. Um, maybe not. I could be completely wrong and just uh, assuming that. But this is a stacked lineup, so I hope they get more exposure and – you know, I just love watching different styles of wrestling. I always, uh, I find it interesting. But um, yeah, just uh, I hope that means. I guess I'm trying to say, is that Kane Velasquez? I hope we get a chance to see him show up in AEW. He could play a very dominant villain wrestler for a time period, and he's, I think, fairly known by the public. Would you consider that true, Chris? Yeah, and and I, I, like I said, hopefully they're building that relationship because they they have no one on their roster, maybe outside of Luchasaurus, that's anywhere as close to his size. Um, so you immediately can make a monster out of Cain Velasquez if used right. I mean, you could look at how Brock Lesnar, and I'm not saying book him exactly like Brock Lesnar, but if you make him an attraction and book him book him correctly, he could be a big monster. And I think people would look at that, and then you get the wonderment of, like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to see Brock versus Kane in a wrestling match or, you know, even if another fight. Um, similar Should to like they call Dane him Severin, the real that, beast killer? Uh, maybe. I mean, hell, you might as well gimmick <laughs> it. Uh, the, I mean, the one, thing, you, the one thing that really stands out on this card is this gives Laredo Kid and the Lucha Brothers a chance to get a win over the Elite after the Elite won at the last pay-per-view, and you can build that into your uh, the AEW storyline that they already have going, which I, I'm assuming is going to be, you know, this to me is going to be your send the fans home happy match towards the end of the night, so I'm assuming the Lucha Brothers probably get the win um, there. But uh, out of the rest of these matches, they're kind of all up in the air, except for I don't. I don't expect Blue Demon Jr. to lose his mask. <laughs> that would be very surprising, yeah. but the rest of them are, are kind of up in the air just because um, I, I, I should probably keep up with AAA a little more, but this, like I said, this is a damn good card. But there, there's, if I had to make two predictions, Blue Demon Jr. is not losing his mask, and, and probably you know the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kidder are going to walk out victorious in that main event card. So 
Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. It'll be interesting, and I'm, I'm like I said, that's one of the the many cool things about AEW is that relationship with AAA. So, um, yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. Well, actually, let me let me go back because I kind of forgot to ask you about that. With uh, you know, we, we were talking earlier, obviously, about Paco Alonso, uh, CMLL, and they don't have an heir to take that over. Do you think that's going to be a problem for the company going forward, or? Do you think possibly someone like New Japan could say screw it and try to like you know take it completely? Like, what do you think with that whole situation? I mean, that's that's where it gets really. I don't know where they're. I guess I don't know where the real ownership lies. Because if Paco was like a majority owner or something, you could look at the daughter possibly selling it and having you know another owner with someone running the day to day. That's the one thing about Paco that I've heard over the years is that. You know, as far as his day-to-day operations, he's not that super involved, and and I don't know. That's a weird scenario, and I don't know enough about uh, the ownership of that company and where they're going to go from there. I, I don't know who you would put in place. I mean, if New Japan wanted to buy it, for instance, and it's up for sale after this, then may, maybe who knows? But that would. I, that would be kind of different than what they've done thus far, which is more trying to branch into America and not so much into Mexico. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought I would just bring it up because it popped back in my head because that's kind of a that's a big deal within that story of, of not being able to figure out what's going to exactly happen with that company. But um, anyways, uh, from there, let's talk about people are uh, are traveling or, or possibly staying where they are, Chris. Uh, we found out that after Slammiversary, that was the last date for LAX and John Morrison. So they're, now they're free agents. Um, also, to note, because I watched uh, Slammiversary, would highly recommend actually the pay-per-view. It's a lot of fun uh, from start to finish. I would say actually my favorite matches was Sammy Callahan against Tessa Blanchard and the, uh, the women's uh, four-way match. I thought both those matches were awesome, but all of them were really good matches. So yeah, check that out if you guys haven't gotten a chance to. I finally was able to right before the show. So, um, but either way, unfortunately, they're they're losing three of their biggest guys with John Morrison and also LAX, um, Santana and Ortiz. And it looked like Santana might have gotten hurt at Slammiversary. If they would have, if if it was supposed to be a work, it was a very strange way to do a work uh, that didn't make a lot of sense. Didn't help anyone. So. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll find out differently. But either way, Chris, we're finding out that there's these two companies, and they're WWE, and they're uh, and they're AEW, and they're gunning for everyone. You know, this field. And apparently, there's feelers out for LAX from both companies, and from what it made sound like with Dave Metzler, Johnny Impact pretty much can go wherever the hell he wants. Uh, so I don't know if that means necessarily that the companies have. have you know, contacted him, but obviously WWE's got a home there. Then there's obviously Mexico with AAA and CMLL. If he goes back to AAA like he's done beforehand, he can work obviously with AEW through there. So that's kind of a win-win, maybe just directly with AEW. Maybe he decides to go to New Japan. LAX, I think obviously the two choices would be AEW or WWE, but uh, interesting nonetheless, um, very Fun time that if if it if unfortunately impacts not going to you know be able to keep them 
Uh, it's fun to see where they end up. Where do you think they're going, and how do you feel about LAX and John Morrison being free agents? Well, I mean, it's crazy with wrestling free agency the way it is currently because we just saw who I have said for weeks and weeks said they were not going to re-sign a contract, re-sign for a ton of money in Anderson and Gallows, and now they're getting booked into um, a meaningful storyline with with AJ Styles, and he kind of it kind of makes you wonder if a tag team like LAX would basically get bought out, even if not used uh, to some extent. I'm sure they would be used in, in NXT correctly, but I don't know what you necessarily do with them on the main roster um, with the way that they handle the tag division, which they have been better in, in the past few weeks. So I don't want to bury it completely, but um, everyone knows my feelings on the tag division if you listen <laughs> to this show for the most part. I would love to see LAX go to AEW. I think that you have a lot of good feuds you can build out of there, and they've already kind of started establishing the tag team division. And bringing them in for the tag tournament would be great for both AEW and LAX. And also maybe they don't want to work the schedule that WWE works. Um, So if I'm LAX, I would definitely look at that option, even though I think WWE is probably going to offer them a ridiculous amount of money not to do that. Uh, The same with with, uh, John Morrison – Johnny Impact, a.k.a. Johnny Gimmick name. Um, He's a little more interesting because I know in the past he said that he really wants to do movies and the WWE schedule would kind of prohibit some of that. It's not going to be – a lot of it's not going to be major motion pictures where they're going to get advertisement out of it or be able to advertise the movie unless they do, you know, WWE films or something. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, when he left originally, it came after the firing of his, at the time, I believe it was his girlfriend and now his wife. And I, I don't know if there's any bitterness there or if he would like to go back. And if he did go back, I, I don't necessarily know where they would use him just because WWE has so much talent. They don't know what to do with uh, as it is. I mean, Kevin Owens pointed out on SmackDown, which we get to later when he's talking about Buddy Murphy and Apollo Crews and, and, uh, Carrie Zane and Oscar and like naming off this lineage of people that we haven't seen. And uh, that, that would be the only thing that would scare me if I, you know, if I'm Johnny impact that and the schedule is a lot tougher than it's going to be in AEW, which is just a weekly recorded show as opposed to WWE, which is going to be tons of house events, a pay-per-view a month um, plus live shows. And the fact that there may be a double brand split between Monday and Friday there's a lot of stuff that's up in the air with that if he did come back. So um, I, if I was him, maybe try to work out a contract where you can work openly with AAA or New Japan and AEW, similar to what Moxley did. I mean, Moxley and uh, Omega and Jericho have pulled it off, and I think you know Johnny Impact's a big enough name, especially if booked on a TV that's going to have as many viewers or as many eyes possibly drawn to it as AEW, they could, they could pull that off. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very interesting because you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of cool things that you can do with them. I mean, John Morrison, even as as crazy as it sounds, I mean, he pretty much dominated Mexico. What if he tried to do his thing over in Japan, um, you know, and tried something up? He just when he talked to us, he seemed like he was willing to go wherever, you know, and that was before I think he signed with Impact. Uh, so it's going to be great uh, seeing yeah. uh, where where John goes uh, with LAX. That's uh it's also pretty damn cool because I mean, especially in AEW, so many tag team matches that you can make great with them. What are you going to say? 
I was just going to say, yeah, when we talked to him, I think he had just signed um, with Impact and had his like first three or four matches. And the, and the places that he talked about that was his favorite to wrestle were places that aren't mainstream or have mainstream events, like kind of being a world traveler. And when you look at like having the ability to possibly work at a contract where you could do, you know, AEW's main television, but also go work with AAA or which he's already kind of established in, um, as Johnny Mundo or, or go to Japan and do something different. I think that that would be at least from our conversation with him um, originally would be something that we'd be really enticed by. But then, then again, I don't know how much dumbass money that Vince is going to throw out there to just try to keep him away uh, from the competition, because apparently that Anderson and Gallo's contract is, is a bit, you know, they offered them $500,000 originally and it was turned down. And, and I heard that there's a lot of, backstage rumors about how damn large that contract actually is now at this point. Yeah. Let, let's actually talk about that. It's a good segue because, you know, you, you just brought it up uh, with Gallows and Anderson. Uh, we know that they finally re-signed with WWE, but uh, apparently, like you said, they turned down, you know, for both of them, $500,000 contracts. Um and they settled something out, and apparently it's pretty big, pretty hefty amount. Uh, you know, given what we're seeing right now with the club developed back together, uh, I guess, I, I mean, I, I, I think the biggest thing that you can draw from that is that WWE was scared about losing one of the biggest tag teams because they're not doing anything with them. They're sitting on them uh, to a place that's trying to build tag team wrestling or back to – their other big competitor that's been on the scene for a while with New Japan, where they previously came from. Uh, what do you think about that whole thing? And how much money do you think we're talking about? Any guess? I mean, we haven't gotten any numbers, but I would probably say you're, I'm, I, I would say it's more, it would be closer to the million, million dollar range than it was before, just Ooh. based on some of the, some of the other contracts that they've signed, which are five-year contracts for Marie Canellis and Mike Bennett at $500,000. And if you're looking at the club and what kind of impact that could make somewhere like AEW or back in New Japan and AEW, you have to think, like, look at it value-wise and go, okay, well, they're way more valuable to the, those companies. It you would be offered. I, shit. <laughs> would be offered comparable. I mean, them going back and, and – being back with the uh, like the elite and you having you know the new bullet club versus the old bullet club whatever the hell you want to call it would be terrible for Vince so um and and also there's like I said there's been plenty of rumors about backstage debates on that contract and how much it actually is it was obviously enough for them to stay when they've said for months and months that they were going to leave and multiple news outlets I think Powell reported it and Meltzer reported it and uh they're staying so <laughs> it must have been not only good money, but we're going to give you some sort of meaningful storyline because that storyline popped out right before the contracts were done and squared away. So they must have something for them going at least to what I would think SummerSlam or Royal Rumble um, with AJ Styles. Yep, I agree. And just missing one little piece to that puzzle, but I'm very happy they're putting it in that direction. Uh, anyways, um, so... The last big story, and then we have something that we can kind of comment on that's that's left over. Um, the Young Bucks 
they recently had a interview. I'm trying to race to oh Chris Von Vliet, who I would recommend anyone if you like interviews with wrestlers. He's very informative, very personable. Uh, he's got great stuff with Cena, Young Bucks, pretty much everyone you can think of in wrestling. But specific questions were asked to them, and if you want to listen to the interview, look it up on YouTube, check it out. Main stuff that people are commenting on uh, is the stuff involving CM Punk and Pac. Um, and basically they said with, with CM Punk, we'll, we'll talk about that first and then we'll go, go from there. But um, this is the uh, quote from Nick. Hands down, and we'll be honest, of course we would love him to come to our company. At this time, though, I don't think he wants to. When he wants to come back to wrestling, it will be his decision, Matt said. And he said and it looks like it's more of an if than even a when. Uh, Matt talks to him all the time about it, Nick said. The timing's just not right, I guess. He knows better than anybody. This is the most demanding thing in the world, Matt continued. You can't just find yourself back in it one day and be like, okay, I guess I'm doing this again. You really have to want to do it. It's up to him. Um, so, yeah, that was what they said about CM Punk. Chris, what do you think about that statement? I mean, pretty much on the nose of what we kind of figured in the first place. Yeah, I mean, Punk is multiple, on multiple occasions said that he's not going to come back on Twitter and it seemed very, you know, not gimmicking anyone. <laughs> like, as far as some of his responses to fans, um, I, I don't know. Like I said, I've said with CM Punk, you know, for two years now, whenever he gets brought up in conversation, I'm, I would, I would, you got to go the route of never say never just because you don't know money situations in a lot of cases, but he seems like he's really enjoying doing commentary for, you know, MMA and, and uh, doing these judo events and kind of relaxing and he's still making money off merch because he's CM Punk. Uh, I, I wonder, you know, what would be the dollar figure that it would take if there is one. And and the other thing is, like, do you go to AEW who's going to want you to be there week in and week out? Because they will – they could use him week in and week out. Or do you just go back for a one-off and work under someone like Paul Heyman and uh, suck up your pride yeah. or whatever? Like, that's – because Vince is going to offer more money on that deal, right? So that's where whatever you want, a little strange uh, with the CM Punk thing. The speaking of LA, he he had made a tweet about Punk and and said, "I would love to do an interview with you sometime." And uh, Punk's like, "I would love to go on Oprah Winfrey and win a car, preferably a flying one, but you know, I've never tried to get interviewed by her or put in the work to have the interview. So maybe." He's thinking about doing an interview with Valet, which would be which would be great. It kind of seemed kind of you know the way he put it in his tweet was very funny. Um, that's not the exact wording, but that's you know the gist of it. Um, yeah. So maybe possibly we'll get a CM Punk interview where he can answer some questions about this stuff because you know outside of the few things he's talked about with MMA, whenever wrestling is brought up, when he was doing his UFC stuff, he would get frustrated, not want to talk about it. Um, now that his fighting career is kind of simmered down, not saying that he's never going to fight again or anything, but 
where he's at now in life could be different than when he was doing those interviews a year or two years ago. And someone like Belay could really probably get some good detail about, you know, where he's at in life and, and whether he ever thinks he will come back to wrestling um, outside of him just saying there's no fucking way on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Try to like, just get some stuff sorted out. I'm sure he's just going to be like, guys, it's not going to happen. My whole thing. And I've told you this with punk, I would just love to see him show up for a big pay-per-view for AEW as a guest announcer and just see if that works or see if that, since he's doing that anyways with MMA, you know, I think that him, Jim Ross, and, um, oh, my God, I'm going to forget his name. The mask guy, damn it. Uh, Excalibur. Look, there you go. There you go. If they're going to rotate that third person, if not, I mean, he could just come on for, for a main event. People would pop if it was secret comes out, announces it, and they can really just take it from there, I mean, based on his reaction to it. Uh, but I don't expect him to be wrestling in the ring. I, I mean, it would be awesome if at All Out he fucking shows up and it was all a ruse, but I wouldn't get yourself too, um, you know, hooked to that. Uh, they also commented, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, about Pac. Uh, they said he's coming eventually. He's, he's coming, though. We're pretty much at 99% with them. It's a work in progress. It's obviously that Matt and I are big fans of his. We met him like 10 years ago over in Japan, so we've always had ties with them. We want to work things out with them, and they explained that uh, with the whole situation where he couldn't make it. Uh, and It's kind of current ongoing situation in terms of creative differences. Uh, this is actually from Cody. Never mind. This is a, a different interview. Well, okay. Sorry. I'll just keep on reading. It's the, the, the term we use. It's not everyone's favorite term to hear, but I love Pac. He's amazing. He's done a great job post-WWE with what he's done with Dragon Gate, what he's done with Rev Pro. And really, the only thing I can say about it, because it's an ongoing situation, is that Pac is still a part of AEW. It's something we're actively working on. And making it happen. He's a big part of AEW. So it sounds to me that uh, he's just going to drop that belt. And then they can get him a part of it. Uh, did you read anything else out of that? those quotes from Cody or the uh, the Young Bucks? No, exactly the same thing as, bef- as we got before. Which is just that, you know, he's kind of being held up by holding that Dragon Gate title. And not them not wanting him to lose anywhere. And I don't know if that's written into his contract or what, or when he's going to be able to drop that belt, but that seems to be kind of the holdup because I think he's going to go there and be, you know, a top contender for the title. That was the idea to begin with. So I, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I feel like, I mean, if he's still under contract, I don't know what his downside is. I don't know how that contract shakes out for him, but uh, I would think, by the time they get around to that TV deal, he has to have dropped that title. So maybe we don't see him until after this big pay-per-view in Chicago. And, you know, he shows up night one on TV, which will be good for them uh, in AEW. But yeah, that whole situation is a little weird. But as far as what, you know, Cody and the Young Bucks are saying about it, it sounds like it's just kind of status quo right now. And, you know, they've already booked their shows out. They know what they're doing. It's not a huge deal. It's going to be more important once that TV kicks in, though, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, all I'm saying, though, is that 
I'm sure the company's great and everything, but they're holding me up from fucking seeing a program between Kenny Omega and Pac. So can you guys just fucking figure shit out? Because yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I that's one that's before we go. That's one thing I hate about wrestling, <laughs> as opposed to normal sports, is like every other sport has a contract listing for almost every athlete involved in wrestling. You just kind of have to piece together bits and pieces because for all we know, his contract is just based around televised dates, which means, uh, which would be my guess just because of how previous yeah. wrestling con- contracts work out. So I don't think he's not going to be there day one when they start, but the pay-per-views that are outside of the start date for their TV, that could be something completely different. It just depends on how that contract's worded. And that shit drives me absolutely insane. Not knowing because we just have to come on and speculate and, and piece things together. And, you know, at some, it's, you know, at some point it would be good just to have a flashing vignette that says, Hey, day one, he's going to be here and people would be hyped for it because you're promoting your show. You know what I mean? Like if his contract yeah, says he's got to be there by then, then fucking promote it that way. That's another huge heel to have with you. And that's another great worker to be able to have at your hands. You know, I, it just makes a lot of sense, and I was very excited when they, they signed him to, uh, to be in with. Uh, last things, Chris, uh, from this interview, they said that they are in the process of working with companies to make a video game. Uh, they kind of went into this beforehand at a convention recently. It was like a month or two back. But they said that they were trying to work with, I believe, I think what happened is Matt said this, and then his wife yelled at him and told him to shut up. But they said they were trying to work with uh, uh, THQ, so basically the the exact engine from No Mercy, WCW versus Revenge, whatever, those games. And the Def Jam uh, fucking awesome wrestling fighting games, if you guys never played those. They were for Xbox. Uh, Basically the basis of of the 2K games, too, but more based on that. I mean, I'm just saying, a fucking video game with that based engine, with AEW... And they also let us know, there was a quote where they said, oh, they're talking about contract negotiations and then them deciding to go with this company and how WWE was looking into them. They said, uh, WWE hates us. And Chris uh, was like, oh, they do? And they go, oh, yeah, they do. He goes, New Japan, too. They fucking hate us, too. They think that we're taking all of their, uh, their, their superstars. That's not the exact quote, but that's pretty much what they said. What do you feel, how do you feel about that statement and also about a AEW video game in the future? Well, I believe like Super Pro 2, if I'm not mistaken, I could be messing the game up, was the base engine, and it had like 60 Japanese superstars. And when they did WCW versus NWO World Tour and, you know, WCW versus NWO, it was just those like guys rescanned with similar movesets, and then they did some voices over top of it. So I could see why, you know, Japanese wrestling may not be super stoked on THQ. The one thing I'll say about THQ as a video game company, by the way, guys, I'm super into video games also. Uh, THQ is bought by Nordic, so it's not the same THQ from the past. That company has been kind of gobbled up, and the name is still out there. I think the last game they did was a uh, – it's called Wreckfest, which has been delayed on console for like a year and a half, but is out on PC. I, don't, I can't think of any other big names they were going for. If I was them, I would look at, like, you know, the company that does Mortal Kombat also does WWE's cell phone wrestling games, and they're kind of like a Mortal Kombat game. Or find a different company. Find something up and coming. Not that THQ, you know, they still own the rights to that engine, 
but it's going to feel kind of dated, even though that's everyone's favorite go-to game. A lot of that just comes from the nostalgia of those being the games that we had on consoles as kids. And uh, if you go back and play them, you know, they're not very realistic at all, <laughs> but they're very fun. And maybe if that's what they're going to go for, that's fine. But, you know, I'm as someone that plays Super Fire Pro, <laughs> I would just download the AEW roster <laughs> from online. I mean, there's so many different ways to play these games. So if they went with someone like THQ, I would want to see the fun of those original games maybe fleshed out a little better, better graphics. And um, I don't know necessarily the that's THQ. What, is, that's what I would expect, is, basically. I would, I would, I would expect just either they go for a vintage look game that's kind of like not as blocky, obviously, as those those sixty four games, um, but it's still pretty much that basis, just a lot more shit to do, or they use the engine itself and try to modernize it the way that two um, K Sports did, but do it their way and try to make it more similar to that. Either way, yeah. AEW video I'm- game sounds pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's an awesome idea, and uh, you know ECW had video games that were based on like the WWE Attitude game, which was were terrible. So terrible. I, I just I hope that they get can give us something really really cool with a, with a full roster. I just don't know that like as far as a game company goes, if that's either talking to two HQ, um, I don't necessarily know that they're the ones to do that. it. Well, I mean that I, I have heard that too that they wanted that you know they want games similar to WrestleMania 2000, which is usually number one if you're looking up best wrestling games or whatever. Um, even though I would debate that, but uh, yeah, like I, the only like I said, the, the big thing is THQ bought by Nordic. It's a, it's not the big development brand it was when those games came out, and that could cause them problems in the long run. Um, I don't know. Fucking, if there's so many other good companies out there that you know, if they do really good, if they're pulling two million on TV <laughs> this fall, you know, who who the hell knows what will come out of that, and uh, what companies yeah. might line up to do a wrestling game to give you something cooler. I, I'm good with anything except for 2K or EA Sports, really, as far as wrestling goes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think like a company that would be willing to take a, a a gamble on something like that, like a rock star, for instance, would be really cool. Like they make some of my favorite games of all time. But uh, yeah, I, I hope that they're not just pigeonholing, holding themselves because of nostalgia. Cause I know all those guys love those games, including the new day and uh, they're all friends, but you know, those games are very dated and uh, I don't know that that engine is going to make people want to play a, a uh, wrestling game. Yep. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all the Young Bucks had to say with an interview that was, uh, you know, pretty much newsworthy, I would say. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the G1 tournament uh, and talk about the the A block uh, matches. We have five uh, that happened. Uh, a lot of, I would say, kind of upsets, Chris, with this, with this card. Um, but the first match... That I'm about to bring up uh, Lance Archer versus Will Ospreay. I really think most people, and obviously Lance Archer's, you know, a huge, huge dude. They build him up like that. When he had the tag team with Davey Boy Smith Jr., you know, they would just demolish people. And the, I mean, that's 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 always been his concept. So 
even though Will is like the heir apparent to the throne, if you will, from what a lot of people think of the next big Gaijing um, talent over there, uh, I think a lot of people are expecting him to beat Lance Archer, but that did not happen. Archer pinned Osprey with the EBD claw, his take on the Iron Claw, and um, won the match. So Will Ospreay is down uh, a match, basically. Uh, how did you feel about this? I think that it originally I was kind of shocked that's how the match went down. Um, but I think it's just because I'm conditioned by WWE to think that if you're on your if you're in your hometown you're going to lose. <laughs> Which Lance Archer basically was the opposite. He won in his hometown. And it's not going to hurt Osprey. He's going to get plenty of wins. I think he'll be right there at the finals um, with – it's a really stacked damn card. But I think that, you know, Will Osprey is going to be right there with, with – well, I, at this point, do we want to go ahead and talk about the injury of um, Kota Ibushi? Because I, he's – I did not hear about an injury, actually. Uh, please tell me this information. I mean, he looked pretty roughed up in the fight, but what exactly happened? So that that's not where he hurt himself. He hurt himself in just a normal match. Uh, he did like a, a, a plancha or something and just sprained his ankle severely and has been training it in like the same thing Daniel Bryan was in with an oxygen chamber to try to recover it. And, and he actually came out and said he, you know, he, the first day he worked, he walked 40 steps. The next day he's going to try to walk a hundred steps. And, you know, that was earlier this week and he was about a week away from his next match. So depending on how hurt he is, that's going to affect the outcome of the G1. That being said, he is really good at selling and new Japan has kayfabe this before, but uh, from all accounts and everything that I've read, it seems like this is legitimate and his ankle is pretty bad right now, which is crazy thinking about a guy that gets dropped on his head and neck so much (laughs) that like a simple move where he just landed wrong on his ankle is what, (laughs) what hurt him. (laughs) Um, But that's, that's fucking wrestling sometimes. Um, Yeah. So if that happens, then, you know, Will Ospreay, I think shoots up to who I would think would be your top guy for winning the G1 or if you're really going to get behind Kenta you could end up seeing you know I I thought the whole time it was going to end up being Osprey and Abushi in this block A with with Abushi winning just because I don't think they're going to pull the trigger of Osprey winning Super Junior and um, G1 but if he's hurt and he's going to be hurt most of this tournament that they might have to go that route or really shorten his matches. Um, so that, that in itself becomes more interesting, but I, I think, you know, if you're a Will Osprey fan, I would say he's going to be fine. He's going to have some really good matches. He gets Tanahashi. He gets Okada. He's going to get Kenta at some point in this tournament. He's going to get some meaningful wins. So I wouldn't harp on this one too much. And uh, I think the promo that he cut after it, was really good character development for him where he was so disappointed in the loss and uh, so upset at himself in general. And it just kind of played more into that, uh, the promo style that he did right uh, during the super juniors. So yeah, the match itself, as far as like quality of the match, it was good. Uh, Lance Archer is not my favorite. And I think Will Ospreay maybe, maybe sold a little too much to him. 
But uh, overall, I can, you can't complain about the quality of that match. I thought it was really fun. And, you know, the hometown guy who's been doing all the promotion for New Japan got the win. So I don't have a huge problem with it. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, uh, Bad Luck Fale defeating Evil. You know, even though Bad Luck Fale is a big motherfucker, and he did a lot, I mean, he he beat the shit out of Evil up and down the ramp and stuff like that uh, right at the beginning. But I think that Evil really has a strong presence usually, I I would say, in the uh, G1 tournament in that uh, I think this might have been another one where people were thinking that Evil was going to win. Uh, but nope, Bad Luck Fale uh, defeated Evil. He's not cheating this year and getting himself disqualified. He just uh, fucked up Evil pretty much. Uh, how'd you like this match, Chris? Hard-hitting match. Uh, it's just neither one of these people I see having any shot at all of winning G1, so it's one that I kind of didn't care as much about, but the match itself was, yeah. was fun. I mean, I've seen this match a ton with it being Evil and Fale, so, and it wasn't their best match, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible either. If you're, it, this is one of those ones that like, if you're going to skip over a match, cause maybe you're not huge into all these guys and kind of just want to see the highlights of the G1, you can probably skip this one. Yeah. Honestly, if I were you, I would just watch the last three matches on this. There's going to be a lot of great matches and there are websites out there that do highlight uh, the best uh, from each night. Um, so that information is out there. Next match, really great technical match between Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, based on the game, I think that even though Sonata is an extremely popular uh, person, the fact that he out, you know, uh, out wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. that made this also kind of, um, you know, like, I didn't see this coming. They surprised me in every match besides the main event, basically. Um, and this was a damn good match. Sonata just proving how great of a technical wrestler he is himself. Uh, a lot of back and forth. Two problems I have. It's because I'm too much of a realist. I'm not fucking Jim Cornette, though, about this. But um, I, I hate it when they reverse pins too many fucking times and it just gets stupid. And it looks like they're trying to, like, do something that you do in preschool like, to have fun on the fucking, like, playgrounds, like, while clapping or some shit. Um, I don't know what preschool actually does that. Maybe gymnastics. I don't know. I'm just saying that stuff's usually, after a while, it's like, all right, we get it. You guys are both just going to pin each other. Uh, I hate, I love Sonata. I think he's phenomenal. Uh, You can definitely tell the amazing training that he's received from KG Muto. Uh, Now that I said this, I hate it when he puts them in the little ball and kicks them in the ass. I think it, I think it looks just ridiculous. And he did it to him around a rope, uh, which is, would made even less sense uh, that he could have like actually used it to get out. I'm air quoting for get out, by the way. Um, but hey, whatever. I really did dig this match. Great technical match. Like I said, I'm glad Sonata got the win. Didn't see that coming. Chris, what did you think? This was one of those matches where if you're not super into technical wrestling, you're not going to be a huge fan of, but I enjoyed it a lot. I could definitely see your criticism of some of the pin segments they had, but overall I thought it was a really great match and it's just further, you know, showing, showing how good Sonata is, but also showing Zack Sabre Jr. still as this technical monster, which they've been building for a long time. And uh, the match itself was good. I, I think you take away some of the pin scenarios like you talked about. And that, that would be the only thing I would say. It did get a little lucha 
there where it's just like pin reversal, pin reversal, pin reversal. But yep. a lot of the move reversals themselves, like the actual power move reversals they had, I thought was absolutely awesome. So for for what it is, like I said, if you're not, if you like more high-flying matches and stuff, this probably isn't going to be your cup of tea, but it was a very good technical wrestling match. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where these guys go from there uh, in the tournament. I don't I don't see either of them winning, but uh, we should get some really damn good matches out of it. Uh, Sonata and Okada, again, is really stands out as something that I want to see. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, because that dude is the future. I think Sonata is amazing. Um, then we had an awesome match uh, between Kenta and Kota Bushi, and my lord, hard hitting is is not even the thing to to describe this match. Uh, they beat the living shit out of each other, and Kenta made it a point to kind of basically, you know, break down Kota Bushi. Like Kota kept on coming back. I mean, he's a really powerful striker himself. They were palm striking each other in the face. Kota Abushi uh, busted his mouth open. Very short. I think they both had their uh, mouths busted open, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but either way, just a very physical contest. Uh, and uh, Kenta pinned Abushi after go to sleep after the match. Kenta soaked in the audience reaction and said, "I'm back." He helped Abushi to his feet, and the two guys hugged. Uh, very, very nice moment, but you know, this is the guy that I heard about, not the guy that I saw in WWE, uh, you know, for such a long time. This is the guy that was a legend that was running with Daniel Bryan over in Ring of Honor and 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 tearing shit up with him, and uh, you know, over in Japan, just being a monster as this Kenta concept, you know, taught by Kenta Kobashi, one of the biggest wrestlers of all time. And uh, it's good to see him and what he says, you know, he hasn't been able to work at that level since before he worked in WWE. So I can definitely agree from what I've seen. And I've seen some good stuff with him on, um, on 205 Live and NXT. Um, but this was, this was good. Uh, sucks for Kota Ibushi. You could say that that's also kind of a head scratcher, I guess, unless you understand they're trying to build Kenta's stock by giving him a big win. But uh, Chris, what would you think? I thought it was a good win for Kenta. Obviously, you have to build him going into the tournament or people aren't going to care about him. You know, going forward, if he loses his very first match in, um, he looked a little rusty considering he's not wrestled in six or seven months. But the one thing I will say is this almost was like he took 80% of the match. He did beat the shit out of Kota Ibushi, which I'm not super excited about, especially now that Ibushi might be injured. Um, which yeah. means that he's not going to be able to wrestle his same style going forward through the tournament. Um, we'll see how they play that in story, but I, uh, I don't know, man. It was a, it was a really good match. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, a lot more than the NATO Abushi match, I'll say that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for Kenda going forward. I, I'm assuming that you know he's going to have one hell of a battle with Tanahashi and. This, I mean, the damn A block is so much better than the B block this year that it's almost ridiculous because there's so many matchups I want to see. But, uh, yeah, Kenta looked good back in his first match. Like I said, he, the, the main thing was, like, he, he got a lot of offense in on Ibushi, 
And uh, I think it made Ibushi look a little weak. But outside of that, I thought it was a really damn good match and definitely one worth watching if you like either of these guys. Or if you just liked Kenna before he got injured in NXT, um, check this out because I feel like, you know, you're actually getting to see Kenta maybe not at his very best, not 2008 Kenta, but you're, you're getting to see closer to what he was before he went to WWE. Basically, the version that you saw is very similar to the difference between Shinsuke in the WWE and Shinsuke over if he came back to New Japan. Uh, I mean, it comes really down to just hard hitting and, uh, you know, certain other aspects as well. But WWE does have a particular style, and, you know, it is what it is, but sometimes it's boring as shit. Um, Big match, biggest match of the night, uh, the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, Kazuchi Okada going against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Once again, the ace goes against the Rinmeka. And, uh, you know, they compete to find out who is the, if if Okada is the modern ace, if you will. That was a running storyline beforehand. Um, These guys have incredible chemistry. I mean, they're two of the best. I mean, it's kind of a duh at this point to be able to put them in a match together and hope that it's good. Um, They've just, they've both been doing this, especially Tanahashi for so long, but they, my God, especially Tanahashi, who you know is beat up, him taking some of the things that he's done, like the high five flow to the outside. I mean, that's so crazy. You know, obviously I've seen him do it and I've seen Steamboat do it and I've seen people do it, but the fact that he's at his age, he's still working at such a high level all the time. And he goes and does that um, to start off the damn G1 tournament. I mean, Putting your body on the line, but yeah, just it—it it was a badass match. Uh, good stuff. Uh, finally, Okada pinned Tanahashi after I, I want to say was there four different Rainmakers he had ahead of him with. I don't know, Chris. How did you like this match? I think they did the three Rainmaker spot. That's kind of the go-to with Tanahashi. He does things in three, or with uh, Okada, they did things in three. I thought the end of this match He's was absolutely Um, where where they uh, where Tanahashi went for the sling blade and Okada went to went for like a backslide immediately and uh, Tanahashi just rolled through and 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 when he did Okada just caught him with a rainmaker immediately just grabbed his arm caught him with a rainmaker then went for the third and and missed and then he got the dragon suplex right after and then uh, Okada being classic Okada hit him with a spinning tombstone which still looks fucking gnarly and awesome every time I see it, even though it's just ridiculous. Like, it's not going to do any more damage than a normal tombstone, but I love it. Uh, And then Rainmaker for the win. And uh, the entire match was great. I wouldn't say it was their best match by any means, but it was a damn good match. It got the crowd uh, totally into it, being that this was a Dallas crowd and not a Japanese crowd. Um, Submitted a win for Okada going into the tournament. Uh, Okada's got two points headed out, so now you get to see some interesting matches for whoever gets to fight him next. And uh, you get to see Tanahashi either make a comeback or have a, a losing streak. Sometimes they give people like this a losing streak. Um, I would keep in mind with Tanahashi through this tournament, considering the last two tournaments and how damn well he actually did. Um, and the fact that he had a title run in between there for a little bit. His knees are pretty wrecked right now. So keep in mind what the ace has been doing from 2012 until now when you watch these matches and and maybe don't expect every one of these matches to be um, what I would consider, you know, 
Tanahashi level because I think he is one of the best wrestlers in the entire world. Um, he's just been really beat down for a long time now, and uh, he always steps it up, though, and, and I think this was the perfect main event for the American crowd considering they couldn't – considering the limitations of what AEW would let them do uh, with with Dean Ambrose and that kind of shifted the blocks a little bit. But I thought this was, uh, this was absolutely amazing and a damn good match, but not their best, but worth watching um, in the top ten matches of this year easily. I would say, in my opinion, at least. Oh, I would definitely place it uh, up there. I would definitely recommend But then again, Gargano's got two this year for me, so <laughs> take that for what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of deserves it, I think, for sure. Um, but no, uh, with Tanahashi, I would definitely recommend that the version that we have now, I mean, is in his mid-40s. I would definitely go back. He's definitely someone that you want to go back and watch. Even matches like him and AJ Styles, like even back from the beginning of this decade. I mean, but go back when he was younger and see, you know, it's it's that type of situation kind of like Shawn Michaels or even Jericho now. Like eventually you're going to break down. But the fact, I mean, you have to give the guy respect for being able to just still destroy his body as much as he does, he could do a much more limited schedule. You know, Chris, Tanahashi could take off this G1. They could have put in Minoru Suzuki. He wanted to, or it seems like he wanted to anyways, even if that's maybe just bullshit and just an excuse to make him look like a hard-ass kayfabe. But that's that's some damn spirit, man, to really care about. that. Him and Kota Ibushi, I mean, they will work with bad injuries in order because they care that much about the brand of New Japan. Yeah, and it, it the insane thing is even there. though even even though I'm saying this isn't the best Tanahashi Okada match, it was still the best match of the night and the best match that has happened in the past maybe two, like month, uh, unless Takeover happened in the last month. I would put that Gargano Cole match maybe a little bit above this match, but it was still the fucking best match I've seen in the past month. So. Uh, that says a lot about his work ethic and, and, and what they're able to do on the show in general. But uh, out, out of this entire card, I would say this match and then probably the Osprey-Archer um, match were my two favorites of the night as far as quality of in-ring work and uh, the stories they were able to tell. These, these were all excellent matches. You know, you can't really just figure out which one is better. You 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 have a... You have a very good reason to pick any of these as, you know, the best match of the night. Anyways, um, let's uh, – Do like you – Okada and Tanahashi is generally going to be the best <laughs> match of the night. But you, 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 you can have an <laughs> argument, Brian, for, for which, whichever. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. In the immortal uh, words of Brian Alvarez – now that you're doing the, the fucking gimmick and the immortal words of Brian Alvarez, get out of here. So God, get out of here. Of you. <laughs> it was the best it, match of the night. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. All right. Um, now that that's over with, let's go over. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, these pay-per-views this weekend. I'm going to tie in a lot of the stuff from Raw and SmackDown that we've missed, uh, along with Extreme Rules. So let's start off with this Evolve event. 
by the way, these are the, the first two, AEW, Five of the Fallen, that's free on Bleacher Report. All you do is sign up. I would definitely recommend logging in and trying to load it uh, a little bit beforehand. Uh, that's actually what Chris recommended. And, uh, I don't know if it worked or not, but I'm going to say it did So because I, I listened to him. So you should listen to me. Anyways, Bob's also going with their 10th anniversary show. Uh, the first one that WWE has been making a big deal about, um, you know, even over, I would say, with advertising over NXT, uh, let alone NXT UK and 205 Live. But either way, 10th anniversary show, same time on the WWE Network. Do what everyone's going to do. Go to Bleacher Report, where you don't know it that well compared to the WWE Network. Watch the AEW one live. And then switch over to the fucking WWE Network, load it right up, and then you can watch that right afterwards. You got like four or five hours of awesome wrestling, a lot of crossover stuff with Evolve. And let's talk about that with these matches and do some predictions, Chris. Um, so Are we starting no with Evolve? Order. Yeah, we're going to start with Evolve. Okay. Uh, this is in no order. Um, this is what I have listed in front of me. NXT Championship match, Adam Cole uh, versus Akira Tozawa. Obviously, I'm going to pick Adam Cole, Bebe, but both those guys uh, had a bit of an impact in Evolve, so it's uh, cool to see them going against each other. Very strange pairing, but they should have a great match, I would say, Chris. I agree 100%. It'll be a great match, even though it's a strange pairing. And uh, they're the opening match. So they're going to try to burn the house down for sure. And uh, Adam Cole has not had a bad match in the past, like, four months. So <laughs> I can't bet against this. I think it's they're going to get the right amount of time because it's a ball. And Gabe Sapolsky's there, hopefully. So uh, I'm looking forward to this fucking match. This might be the match that I'm looking forward to the most on this entire card. Even though the match following this, I'm really looking forward to as well. I think this is going to be one hell of a match for sure. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that if you don't know a lot about Evolve, and I, I, I'll admit, like, you know, I kind of knew about the product a little while ago, but now Matt Riddle and Keith Lee and all those guys, Darby Allen, they've all left it. Uh, so this is going to be a really cool show for, to find out about new people um, that. I don't even know. I'm actually looking forward to that aspect about this, as well as seeing, obviously, NXT superstars um, and people that I do know. And then we have this. Uh, I don't know if they're combining the two titles. I'm not 100% sure, but the Evolve Champion, uh, WWN Champion, Winner Take All, Evolve Champion, Austin Theory. You guys have heard me and Chris both rave about him from down here in Georgia. Uh, he's going against the WWN champion, J.D. Drake, another awesome wrestler. Uh, well, I'm going to say that I think Austin Theory, since he's probably their biggest superstar, is going to win both belts, Chris. Or they're trying to put over J.D. Drake because Austin Theory is going to be making his way over to NXT. But I'm going to go with the first option and probably say that Theory is going to win both belts. What do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't know. If they're going to start showing Evolve on the network as counter-programming, then – Having Austin Theory there is not a bad idea. I I kind of lean towards him winning. I definitely see, hey, maybe signing that NXT contract. Um, but yeah, Austin Theory by far it, to me is the best person in Evolve. He's a guy that you can make an absolute superstar out of. He is the size and look that Vince likes. He's got personality. He's from McDonough, Georgia. God damn it! And 
man can put on a hell of a fucking match. He's trained by A.R. Fox. A.R. Fox, also amazing. Uh, his, he has a wrestling school here in Atlanta, so if you ever think about wanting to go to wrestling, you can, you can check out, definitely check out A.R. Fox, um, who I believe is also on this card, if I'm not mistaken. I could complete. Yeah, he's also on this card as well. Um, this will be a hell of a match. J.D. Drake, great in his own right. Um, Austin Theory, more of the future than, to me than J.D. Drake. So it just depends. Like you said, if it's an NXT thing, Austin Theory's a great guy to pull up. Maybe you do a gimmick out of it, and he loses based on uh, if you're building a story angle or something off of it. You could do an NXT run-in or something. But uh, right now I'm going to go with a, a Theory probably winning both belts. And then um, I didn't actually predict the first match, but I do think Adam Cole's going to retain. I just don't see him dropping the title to um, someone who's not even on NXT. Uh, so that's on me. Sorry about that. But, yeah, Adam Cole, baby, for that the first match we talked about. Adam Cole, baby, if you will. I want someone to make me a T-shirt that combines them. Um, <laughs> Cold <laughs> space on deep on Dusty's body. <laughs> just Adam Cole's face on Dusty's sure, body. <laughs> sure, and just say just say Adam Cole, baby, if you will, uh, like that on the back. Um, yeah, if you guys want to make me that, you can find me. Never mind. Vault Tag Team Championship <laughs> match: Eddie Kingston and Joe Casey. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy versus A.R. Fox, who we were just talking about, and Leon Ruff. Um, the champions, well, I want to see A.R. Fox win. You know, I like A.R. Fox. I do know him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I want him to get the tag titles. I'm going to go with that only based on that, Chris. What do you got? <laughs> I'm going to go with Kingston and Joe Gacy winning, as I think they're two of the balls. Uh, the, two of the best superstars that they have, in my opinion, just specifically Joe Gacy. He's an interesting character, really, really good in the ring. Um, I think they'll probably retain here, even though I do love AR Fox. So secretly, you know, when I'm at home watching you're, this match, Benedict Arnold, I'm going to be cheering for AR Fox, even though I don't think he's going to win. It's it's just like when I used to cheer for Kofi and Money in the Bank, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, cash point reunion match. So Matt Riddle uh, had a match with Drew Gulak. It was one of his first matches, and he beat him. Uh, it was a really, really damn good match on NXT. I would go back and watch it, just search it on the network. Uh, Drew is now the Cruiserweight champion. He's going to be going against Matt Riddle. I don't think the championship belt is on the line, but I'd actually like to see Drew Gulak pull off a win against Matt Riddle because – it's they have very much a similar style match to what Sonata had with uh, Zack Saber Jr. So I expect them to have probably a longer version of of what they had on NXT. Um, so it should be a damn good match. Uh, probably Matt Riddle is going to go over, but like I said, it would also make sense for Drew to have one so they can have a third one eventually, and then he beats him or Matt Riddle beats him. I don't know. They'll probably just put over Riddle. What do you think, Chris? I actually think Gulak has a good chance of winning this, even though it's WWE booking, because uh, he's really known and loved by the Philadelphia crowd. And, and a lot of the fans that are going to be at this show are going to be CZW fans, um, fans where he came from. I mean, former CZW World Heavyweight Champion. His brother uh, also wrestled in CZW. He's going to be hugely over. And depending on where this is placed in the card, even though I love the King of Bros, and, and maybe he does get the win because he's doing a heel, this is going to be in Philadelphia. So I actually could see them doing Gulak getting the win or there being a new contest or 
something of that nature, um, just because of how over Gulak is actually going to be with the people that are probably going to attend this show, being that you know it's going to be a smaller Revolve crowd, even though it's going to be on the WWE Network. Uh, I think that fan base is going to be really behind Gulak. I could be wrong, but that that would be my thought on that. Yeah, I could I I completely see where you're coming from on that. Um, well, looks like with these last matches, uh, I don't know necessarily the superstar. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to predict. Uh, maybe Chris will know more information than me. Have no idea, but we'll just go down. Anthony Henry is going against NXT superstar Arutho Ruaz. Uh, I watch NXT every week. Not 100% sure who he is. I'm not saying that that makes him smaller or anything like that, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, NXT superstar Baba Tunde. He's going against uh, Colby Carino. Maybe both these guys are wrestlers. I do know that they changed their names recently when they came here. That might have something to do with it. Colby Carino, not sure who he is. Maybe he's related to Steve. I don't know. Uh, Colby, Colby Carino. Colby Carino is Steve Carino's son. Really? So he's, okay. That's yes. So his, his trainer is Steve Carino. Um, he wrestled in ring of honor from probably 2000, I think back in 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. And then he also had kind of a little, I don't know, a, a toe in the water in, in TNA for a little bit, but uh, now he's back in, in Evolve, and uh, Steve Carino's involvement in NXT would make me think that Colby's probably going to get the win in that particular match. Uh, I don't know either of these two NXT guys, <laughs> actually. Me so neither. I don't know Baba Tunde. Um, I know Anthony. I know Anthony Henry a little bit just from some things I've seen on YouTube, but not enough to actually speak on this match. So this, I'm not going to say it's a little bit of filler. I think they'll have really good matches because it's evolve and, and Gabe is a fucking great booker. But yeah, if I had to predict one, I'm, I would say probably you know, Arturo Rus probably gets the win in this grudge match that I'm unaware of, and then Colby Carino I think wins just because he's going to once again. He's from Philadelphia. It's a good hometown win for him. But yeah, that is, that is definitely Steve Carino's son, Colby. That's pretty cool to know. I always like finding out about the uh, the new generation of offspring from uh, other wrestlers. That sounded weird. Anyways, a fatal four way match between Kurt Stallion, Sean Maluda, Stephen Wolf, and Harlem Bravado. I don't know any of these guys. This is this is the reason why this is gonna be a lot of fun. Um but did you do you know Chris any of these people? Well I feel, I feel like I'm an arc. Well okay so like Carlin Bravado I remember him being in a tag team in Ring of Honor. So I know a little bit of his work and um and I think it was like the Bravado Brothers or something was the tag team he was in. The rest of these guys are guys that I think worked in developmental territories with NXT. And I and I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that, but that's that's what I'm recalling. So I mean, based on the work and the people I know, I guess I'm gonna go with Harlem Bravado on this one. I could be completely fucking wrong, uh, but I, I kind of remember him working in Noah and. Um, in Ring of Honor 
for a while as a tag team, which I believe was the Bravado Brothers. I don't know what happened to the other Bravado brother, but uh, that's that's my knowledge. Maybe they were brothers. Yeah, this that's my knowledge of this. The, these particular athletes is that maybe Harlan Bravado worked in NXT and Pro Noah, and that's about me uh, doing a deep Google or anything. Well, I think Kurt Stallion's gonna win because it sounds like a male porn star's name. That that's all I got for that one. Um, you got two, you got two stallions on the same show, Dane. You got you got Matt Riddle, the stallion, and Kurt Stallion. Uh, well, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll jump the, each the, other. The king of bros. He's, he's the king of bros. He doesn't have to be the king of stallions too. <laughs> Special attraction match. We got Josh Briggs versus Anthony Green. With Brandy LeRae over in his corner, I'm going to go with Anthony Green. Chris, who do you got? Same. I got Anthony Green as well. Great wrestler. Should be a fun match. This is a, I've seen a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, and this is kind of their – this is like a, a, a future – what is it called? I think they're calling it the future is now or something. So these are two stars that they're trying to build up for Evolve. So this should be a fun match in general. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Anthony Green as well. So it seems like a pretty damn good pay per view. Uh, should be a lot of fun, and um, you know something fun to watch within watching this next pay per view that we're going to be talking about. AEW Fight for the Fallen over in Jacksonville, a benefit show where proce- part of the proceeds will be going towards charity of um, of gun violence, um, which is a uh, pretty pretty you know noble thing of them to do um anyways let's get down to the matches in no order just like the last time uh i don't know the exact order of the card but so we're just going to go by the matches listed in front of me um first of all we got the young bucks versus cody and dustin rose i think this is probably the big match on the card you know sean spear is going to get involved at, at some point during this match um is this going to start maybe uh, show show somewhat of a rivalry develop between the two brothers because one loses the match, whether it be Dustin or Cody, you know, where exactly it's going to go. It should be damn good. Might be the match of the night, actually, based on, you know, the way that Cody's been building his matches, having so much emotional pull to it, mixed with the Young Bucks, you know, crazy action. So should be a pretty damn good match. Um, I'm actually going to go – I'm going to go with the Young Bucks. I think that Sean will either get involved or there's going to be something that happens uh, that causes, you know, early showings of future tension that will cause a downfall that I believe will happen to the Rhodes brothers. It's a pretty tragic, tragic and um, Shakespeare-like, I would say. Maybe I'm just giving myself too much credit. Chris, what do you think? Well, the Young Bucks have won both of their first matches, right? Yes. Okay. So to me, you give this one to the brothers because I think that's the buildup for the end of your tag tournament. And I could be wrong on that because um, this is not a this is not part of the tag tournament they've announced. So my guess is you give Dustin and Cody a meaningful win. If I was booking this, you give them a meaningful win, and then you can build up from there. You know, at the next pay per view dissension if you want to between them headed into the tournament um but i you know being that this is their first match together maybe you have the young bucks be a little cocky um they've already started making fun of the fact that 
that Cody needs his brother. I don't know if you've seen that promo where <laughs> Matt and Nick both are covered in blood, and they're like, That's "Oh, I need a brother, man," which is I think really fucking funny. Too. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think you, you get the Rhodes brothers get the win here. It'll be happy for the crowd, and not that anyone wants to see the Bucks lose, but the Bucks are playing the the heels in this scenario. And also, I feel like the Young Bucks will make it to the to the finals or or near the finals. And you can still do the Cody Dustin blow up angle, and you could have it because they lose uh, in the tournament, which to me would be more meaningful than them starting to lose right off the bat. So that's what I would do. I like it. I like it. All right. Then we have another match I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, interesting one. Kenny Omega is going against SEMA. Um, you know, SEMA has had a very similar dance partner, I would say, for the first two showings of him. So I'm looking forward to seeing him with someone else. Not saying anything bad about Christopher Daniels and obviously the other members of OCU uh, with the first match. But that's who they keep on pairing them, it seems, with. Um, apparently, they're supposed to be comfortable because they've met, you know, wrestled each other a bunch. I didn't really see too much of that. It just seemed like they were trying to outdo each other. So him and Kenny will be, I think, good because I might not know him, but I do know Kenny Omega. So, Chris, what do you think about this? Well, I thought they, they debatably had, I mean, outside of the triple threat tag match or the, the, the three versus three tag match at the last AW event, which we, did, we didn't get to talk about, but um, I thought that they, Seema and Christopher Daniels may have had the best, best match, maybe – with Darby and Cody there too. It just depends on who you are, I guess. But uh, Seema and, and Kenny should be really, really good. I would say uh, Kenny's got to get the win there though. Uh, just if you're not going to do a win, then maybe you get Ambrose attacking him or Jericho is supposed to be involved in this event to some extent. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe a distraction loss for Kenny. Yeah, actually, we should talk about that as something separate now that you mentioned it. Chris Jericho said that he's going to, I don't know, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming now, you know, everyone's doing a pipe bomb, drop his own pipe bomb uh, at the actual event itself uh, this weekend. So he's definitely going to be there. And uh, what, what the hell, I'll try to figure or find out the wording of what he said, but what do you, what do you think he's talking about? Well, he basically said he was going to have a live mic the entire event. So I'm assuming you're going to get oh. random Chris Jericho throughout it, which could be kind of neat depending on what it is. I think it could just be him messing with the elite and the leaders of AEW and their corporate positions throughout their matches. So that could be why the Young Bucks lose or why Cody loses or why Kenny loses. Um, so he could be dropping, I, I assume what he means by pipe bomb is he, him telling everyone to thank him because he's saying he's the reason that AEW is, has done as well as it has thus far. That's kind of what his gimmick is right now. He's the huge superstar and they're all beneath him. So I'm assuming it's going to be more of that, but during, you know, throughout the night. Yeah. Oh man. He's that, that, that Jericho, he's a crazy one. I wonder if he's going to bring up WWE at all. I'm sure he's going to say something. Uh. All right, then we have SoCal Uncensored, uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky going against the Lucha Brothers. This should be a fucking awesome match. 
I mean, this has no reason not to. Um, very much looking forward to specifically seeing um, Scorpio Sky and Ray Phoenix tear it up. I think they'll have great chemistry. Chris, what do you think about this match? I'm going to give it to the Lucha Brothers. Man, this one's tough because who, who needs a win Lucha more? Brothers, you know? The Lucha Brothers need a win, but if they also beat the Elite in AAA, maybe they'll show highlights from that. So I, I this one's a toss-up for me, but I would say I, I don't know. I'm going to go with my gut and say SCU somehow pulls out a win. Maybe Christopher Daniels gets involved. All right, all right. Then we have Hangman Page going against uh, Kip Sabian, which I still don't understand because he didn't talk at all when he was on uh, commentary the last event. Why the hell he even got to jump in front? I don't even remember if he beat Sammy Guevara on the first pay-per-view or not. Either way, whatever. Don't know much about him. I like Hangman Page. Looking forward to seeing more of him. This should be a good match. I'm going to go with Hangman Page. Chris, who do you got? This is just a win for Hangman unless Chris Jericho gets involved somehow. I'm assuming that Hangman wins this match. But it'll be a good match either way. All right, then we have uh, Ali going against Brandy Rhodes. Um, I don't know much about Brandy in the ring. I do know Allie. I did watch her on Impact. She's actually a pretty good wrestler. Uh, rough start, though, with the um, librarian, another female wrestler that I like, Leva Bates. But, you know, what are you going to do when that was a situation itself? I don't even know what the hell they're going to do with that, that whole thing. Um, either way, Brandy is going against Allie. I'm, I, I'm just not – I don't know a lot about Brandy's work, but I'm assuming that, I mean – is she going to book herself to win? That would be kind of stupid. I don't know. Somehow Brandy wins. What do you got, Chris? Well, it seems like they're building Allie towards the championships. I'm assuming Allie's going to get another win here. Um, and maybe that ends up being your title match is Brandy versus Allie. So I'm, I'm going to go with Allie. The the bunny Allie needs to convince her demon friend to to come over to this after she gets out of impact. Uh, last match listed, we have Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, and Darby Allen going against Sean Spears, Sammy Guevara, and MJF. What? That is the one question within this, and I, uh, that was actually me just joking. Anyways, um, all right, the match is going to be awesome, but why is the best friend of Cody on the same team as Sean Spears? I could definitely got to explain that. I don't believe unless they've dropped a new episode, I saw anything on being the elite that makes sense of this. Maybe I haven't. And people are yelling at me right now. Either way. Um, I actually think the heels are going to win. They just seem more dominant. Like Sean Spears is very, very mysterious right now of the uh, chair shot incident. MJF is awesome, and Sammy Guevara is a fucking, like, you know, luchador, monster, Shawn Michaels hybrid with um, uh, Justin Bieber. There you go. Chris, who do you got? I I feel like MJF and Sean Spears are going to end up screwing each other over. And that, That you know, as far as what Darby Allin's response was after those promos, and everything, I feel like Darby Allen may get a pinfall victory here, just because I think the fans are super behind him right now after those promos and after he had that great match with Cody um, that went to a time limit draw originally, 
So you could say he took Cody to the limit. Um, it could be interesting. I mean, it, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I could go either way on this, but I mean, MJF's technically not a heel right now. Am I, am I incorrect on this? He's the one that kind of stands out as, as being the weird choice in this tag team. But uh, obviously, I think they booked this, and then, I mean, it could be, like I said, it could be setting up dissension, and then it gives you something to do at the pay-per-view with Sean Spears, which is maybe he takes out MJF or, or whatever, however they want to go from there. Um, but, yeah, I feel like those two will have turmoil because they're just such big personalities, and then somehow Darby Allen gets the win for his team. Yeah. I can see that definitely happening as well. That that would make a lot of sense. Should be a damn good pay-per-view. We're going to have a hell of a uh, Saturday night as far as wrestling goes. Sunday, we got a, you know, on paper, this pay-per-view, all the matches, they seem, well, except for the main event that's going to happen. I don't know what the fuck that is, but we'll talk about the mixed gender hardcore match. I, anyways, um, but before we talk about Extreme Rules, I wanted to kind of go over... You know, there was a couple things that happened in the last two weeks. You know, we had a Raw, not this week, I don't think, more so the last week that was seemed to have a good amount of sprinkles of Paul Heyman. Now, Paul and, and Eric are both taking over after Extreme Rules, so that we'll see their first fully produced, you know, them behind, you know, Paul behind Raw and Eric behind SmackDown uh, next week, which is kind of exciting. Uh, but this has been kind of them, I believe, Paul, because he's there, right now more trying to get stuff structured but they're trying to get their storylines forward for them to be able to take it over and eric's in the transition of moving to connecticut so there was all that stuff they mentioned on the observer they've talked about it either way the one thing that i noticed is that the raw from two weeks ago i really really enjoyed i think it was actually the best one uh in the last two weeks out of wwe programming but this smackdown i also uh really enjoyed too so there's three incidents um, that we should probably talk about, and it's, we're kind of going to be talking about some of it uh, within this whole entire thing, or two incidents, I, I would say. And that's the club being back together, Chris, and the, what that could be going forward. Uh, Andrew, we already talked about them re-upping with WWE, obviously. AJ is now heel to beat the crap out of Ricochet. And also the, the, uh, the KO pipe bomb, if you will. You know, Kevin Owens spoke for the fans. He was pissed. He was furious. Obviously, it was scripted, but still, uh, you know, bringing up, uh, just going off on Shane, who kicked him out of the building for getting in a fight with uh, Dolph Ziggler uh, when they were getting there. Uh, You know, basically saying that you guys came out here, you, your sister, your father, you guys said things were going to change. They haven't changed. Every time you say you're best in the world, it's a joke. Gets his mic cut. He goes to grab another one, starts talking again. You know, and uh, later on we'll show up and Stone Cold stun uh, Shane. Uh, I'll bring him up again, obviously, where I think that he fits in, if you will. I think that a bunch of people are going to get stunners in one match. But uh, how do you feel about those two things? I really am happy that they seem to be taking KO down the route that me and you have been wanting to see for a very long time. And finally, AJ Gallows Anderson are back together. AJ's a heel. The club's forming. It's thin around the corner. What's going on? What do you think? Well, uh, 
Yeah, right off the bat, the club forming back to go against Ricochet, it, I think, elevates him as a babyface in a way that would have been really hard to do with them just having a mid-card title. Um, AJ Styles means a lot. And to me, heel AJ Styles has always been better than babyface AJ Styles. Babyface AJ Styles is just that fans respect him and his in-ring work, whereas heel AJ Styles is able to be a huge dick all of the time, especially if he has his big buddies behind him with the club. So I love the fact that they're back together. It's <laughs> they're, they're both of these things I really love, but they're both things that should have happened like two to three years ago with Kevin Owens even longer. Um, because I felt like they could have brought him in that way. But uh, yeah, the club I'm really, really excited about. I think it's a fun feud for Ricochet, him having to overcome these obstacles. And as, as bad as I hate hot, hot, like hot shotting the title, I would be completely fine with him losing the title and having to figure out ways to over, overcome the club in his matches. I think it would be more meaningful if the club were getting tag team wins at the same time or in tag team matches on Raw. Uh, and the reason I say that is because then you have ways for him to interfere, similar to what The Rock and, and Steve Austin would do against members of DX who were having tag matches. If you think back to, like, you know, Stone Cold showing up and just stuttering both the New Age Outlaws, because fuck them. Like, Ricochet needs that to compete against, especially if he's going to drop the title, which I think he probably should in this situation um, just to further give credibility to club. And uh, I, overall, I like it a lot. I think it's really fun. It's an interesting angle. I think they're doing good stuff with Ricochet, even though he's got his ass kicked, but he did win, you know, two matches against members of the club. So if done right, it could be really, really interesting. The Kevin Owens thing we've, we've known this was, this was the kind of the plan prior to Kofi catching on fire and becoming the Kofi that he is. And then them needing someone to fill the void for Daniel Bryan. Um, Cause Daniel Bryan got, you know, hurt after the title and then became tag team champion. So Kevin Owens has turned babyface. It's like fucking five or four years late. Cause he should have done it as <laughs> soon as he beat John Cena. <laughs> When he beat John Cena and stepped on the – when he open challenged John Cena and just gave him the fucking power bomb, that should have been when you sent Kevin to the moon. But now is just as good a time as any because I don't think that anyone really wants to dislike Kevin Owens, especially if you're putting him against Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon's little faction is annoying, gives him lots of people to give stutters to. And I think it could be something uh, headed into this pay-per-view, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit later, where – you know, the taker is an imper- is in peril. Not only is the revival there, you got Shane, you got Elias, you got uh, fucking uh, Drew, and they're all in peril. Like you got Roman in peril, you have you have Taker in peril, and then just stunners all around, <laughs> chair shots and stunners, um, which would be great for Kevin. And I think that's going to be really fun. I just want the Shane-Kevin feud to be done really quickly um, or done can, better. Can KO – all right, in this scenario, I love this. Uh, can KO just come out to Stone Cold's music and have the stupid, like, uh, like um, 
hunting jacket that that Stone Cold would wear with the hat and shit like that, his jeans on, just like run out and just give everyone stunners, start asking for beers and shit. <laughs> I mean, maybe like it'd be funnier if he came out with a Montreal Canadiens jersey on and just started chugging Molson's. <laughs> Yo, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Owens has always been perfectly built for this role as the anti-authority figure because of what they did in Ring of Honor with him and Jim Cornette. Like, he is the perfect anti-authority. No one wants to dislike him. He's kind of a guy that looks like a normal guy. It's just they took them so long to get here, that, and I hope they don't fuck it up. They can't have 50-50 booking. He needs to be just he, – he shouldn't even be having matches. He should just be fucking up Shane McMahon and all his lackeys <laughs> for, like, weeks until yeah, his match. And then, he should, and then he should fucking win. Like, that's, that's yeah. how you book that. That's how they book Stone Cold. Stone Cold outsmarted the heels on a week-to-week well, basis. He's off <laughs> and that's to a when, great start, I would definitely say. Um, let's, let's go over this Extreme Rules card. Um, Got a lot of matches. I don't know what's going on as far as maybe because of the loss to Nakamura, they're going to add like a Finn Balor-Shinsuke match to that. If they do, I would think it would make sense for Finn to win for a third match to be set up for Nakamura to take the belt maybe to do something with it and get Finn Balor, like I said, back in the fucking club. But the first match that's officially on it, uh, they have the Cruiserweight champion definitely on it. They don't have the, the Intercontinental, whatever. Drew Gulak is going against Tony Nese. Uh, Drew Gulak just got the title. He's not losing to Tony. He's going to get that win to be able to make up for the fact that he didn't beat Tony. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Drew's probably going to retain that. Uh, do you ever like who? Who do you think's going to win? And do you wonder, Chris, if Cedric and Buddy are like happy that they're on the main roster? <laughs> Especially Cedric I mean, Alexander. Not, this last week. I mean, for for Cedric, not after Raw. Like they gave him this big star <laughs> moment. And then they just had him fucking lose. Like, what was the point of that? They should have just had him pin Shane McMahon. Like, who gives a shit? No I one know. cares about Shane McMahon's winning streak. You just did this huge angle that's, like, very 1980s with the, the fake <laughs> lucha mask, and it turns out to be someone different. And then you just have the guy get fucking <laughs> Claymore kicked in the face and lost. So now he's just a huge geek. So, no, I don't think he's necessarily excited. <laughs> I mean, maybe he is. I don't know Cedric Alexander in person, but I wouldn't like, necessarily would be excited about be that booking. Known, would you rather be less known by the public but be putting on awesome matches in 205 Live or be on the main roster chasing after the 24-7 title and losing as the masked mystery guy? Um, I would, ra- I would rather hell? be what on 205. Buddy Murphy? I, w- <laughs> I don't know, dude. He was, he was Kevin the, Owens uh, brought him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He was like, where the hell is Buddy Murphy? <laughs> Maybe Kevin Ar- Owens will start his own crew of <laughs> 205 Live guys <laughs> or something. You know, we're, we're, we're sick of this bullshit. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, who did you say was going to win, Drew Gulak or, or Tony Nese? Sorry I think that off. there's a good chance that I think there's a good chance that Tony Nese wins and that they sell that Gulak had a match the night before. Against Riddle, I could see that. And right, then the maybe they try to one. move. Yeah, maybe they try to move Gulak back into NXT more so than 205 Live because we we still don't know what they're doing with NXT and the fact that they're showing Evolve on the network. Like I'm still not convinced that there may 
may be a television deal somewhere down the road with that. Oh, you know, I hope that it's, it's going to happen. I can feel it. Uh, the next match, Alistair Black is going against Cesaro. The way they built this, strange. I know I trust in, in, in uh, Paul Heyman. I mean, that's the reason why I'm excited with him with the Raw. And he's had a lot to do creatively with this whole angle. So the two of them are going to have a great match. I feel bad because Cesaro, they're rebuilding him well. But he's, I, he's going to lose inevitably in this type of concept. But the build-up has been all right. The, the side-to-side, whatever, that never works. But they always do it. Uh, I think the match is going to be awesome. Um, and I, I, I'm digging the vignettes, man. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll actually, I'll, I'll bring that up. Well, what do you think about this match? I, I see Alistair Black winning. I see Alistair Black winning as well. Also, by digging these vignettes, do you mean these Alistair Black promos that we've buried for like the past six weeks? No, actually, I was actually going to go more so for the uh, the other vignettes. I was going to, I was about to lead myself into something, and I decided that that should be a separate part of discussion. But um, unlike the Alistair Black stuff, which I said, you know, the fact that Paul's creatively involved in this, that they said that on The Observer, I'm more lenient towards, but I haven't been a big fan of. But comparing them to, obviously, Bray Wyatt, but how have you liked Ali's um, vignettes, and are you excited about him returning? Do you think that either Ali or Bray will show up at Extreme Rules for something? I don't. I think they probably save them till the week after where they get fresh booking, honestly, um, out of the storylines. But I did really enjoy Ali's vignettes, and I've really enjoyed Bray's vignettes. I just, with Bray, I want to see what he does in the ring. Um, to me, that character yeah. needs to be very two faced, where he's like, one minute he is the happy guy and he has a match and he loses. Maybe he loses twice to the same person. And then, unlike what they do with. Finn Balor, you kind of build in why the fuck he's going to his crazy clown face or something. So I hope that's where they're going with it, uh, where you have to bring out the darkness of of Bray. But we'll we'll see. I'm excited for both, and I really like the Ali vignettes. I just don't know what they're going to do with him uh, and who's going to do Batman. Apparently. But I do like them, but yeah, I don't know where they're going with Ali. Maybe, uh, you know, like I said, vigilante tor- territory, it seems like. like I mean, uh, it may, maybe where you go is Ali versus Bray, because that's fresh and it's not mystical versus fucking that would be pretty mystical. Cool. And then you that's have like Ali Batman versus a god. Yeah, it's a Batman. It's like a Batman villain. Exactly. Like, that's perfect. That like, Ali perfect. gets a win over him, a couple wins over him, and then now you get shitty badass Bray Wyatt and that that could be a lot of fun um so maybe that is where they're going with that but I like both of those vignettes I I kind of like the concept of not taking it all the way like pro sting but like Ali talks in his vignettes but when he's there he's there you know he lets his actions speak louder than his actual words and he keeps more to like I want more of those vignettes I think those are great at building this whole entire this is this is good stuff we should uh we should try to Get a job at WWE. No, we're never going to get a job at WWE. Damn it, we're not TV writers, Chris. Ah, well, I mean, even fuck. if we did get a job, we'd be fucking two voices in a room of 30 other fucking people. So <laughs> who, who the hell knows? But maybe, I mean, to me, it kind of feels like now that Bray is not going to be Alistair's opponent, that could be where they're going. And, and it does make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I, I think Batman that would be really Joker. cool. And, and, and uh, you know, not only just Batman versus Joker, but just the fact that Bray works better with smaller guys normally. So uh, oh, yeah. it could be, could be just good to match up in general. All right. Well, we're going to have to kind of speed through some of these uh, realistically. So I'm going to start doubling them up a little bit. We got the two tag team championship matches. We got Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the SmackDown tag champs, going against New Day, going against Heavy Machinery, and then also the Raw tag team champs, the Revival and the Usos. I'm going to predict we're going to have um, new champions with the first one. It will be Heavy Machinery picking it up. Maybe not at the because of Daniel Bryan, so they'll have reason to go against them or something like that. And then I actually think the revival is going to pick it up due to some type of tomfoolery or, you know, hitting one of them with a pipe or some bullshit like that. What do you think, Chris? Well, for the first match, I I think the well for the second match, I think the revival will retain, but I think that'll be a very very good match. Um, And it could be tomfoolery. I don't. But uh, the first match, I actually think the New Day somehow pulls out the win, but then Brock takes That's the title what usually from Kofi. <laughs> so New Day pulls uh, out the win, but then Brock takes the title from Kofi. So well, he's a few more predictions that are going to come out later on. That is a deep. That is a deep prediction. We'll see. This is on the level of the Hardy showing up at Mania, like two months before it happened predictions, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Bailey, the SmackDown women's champion is going against Alexa bliss and Nikki cross for the SmackDown women's uh, championship. Apparently Alexa convinced Nikki that if they win it, they're going to share the title. Um, basically what the fuck's going to go on with this? And is Sasha Banks going to make a return? Doubtful that Sasha Banks returns before SummerSlam in general if she returns at all. And uh, I think that probably what happens is Nikki gets the pin and they do this angle. (laughs) I hope Bailey wins and one of them, one of the other ones causes the other ones to lose or something like that. Just don't fuck with it. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I I mean, I think think people are expecting the whole Sasha thing because they've been saying, you know, she's been nailing on the head like, you don't have any friends like Nikki when she interviewed her. So it's probably not I, even that. It's probably to throw I mean, us off. Yeah, I mean, but you could do that and then carry it out for a couple months yeah. before you bring Sasha yeah. back and bring Sasha back at a bigger stage would be my guess if you're going to do it. Um, so th- that that would be my guess on that. And then, like, you know, you could build tension between the two of them or whatever but before beforehand or I, I don't know. I hate the entire fucking storyline, even though I think that Nikki has done really well in it for what they've asked her to do. She has. She was, but she she was supposed to be like mankind. She wasn't supposed to be fucking like well and like I don't know what the hell they. She's not crazy. She's only crazy in the ring, and they don't explain why. It's it's baffling. What the fuck she is she? She just seems it. like that. She ate a lot of pixie sticks and drank like four Red Bulls to me. Like, I don't get well, the crazy vibe. I mean, without Sanity well, being anymore. around her, like, I don't get crazy. Like, she just looks That's spastic. what I'm saying. Well, either um, way, I'm de- anyways, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley, last man standing. No one cares about this. They did give us a lot of reasons, I think, in the last two weeks to make the story, I guess, better. I mean, I 
I guess since bronze week, you can give Bobby a win because he's lost at everything else. I don't really know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that, actually. Yeah, same. You, I think Bobby think? wins. He's probably going to attack the spleen and get the win. So. I'm going <sighs> there as well. I'm excited about this match, the U.S. Championship match, Ricochet versus AJ Styles. I hope this is a match of the night. I hope these guys have a lot of time. Uh, I hope there is some shit that goes on, and I do think that AJ Styles is going to win somehow. Um, yeah, well, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I agree. I think AJ Styles picks up the win here, and then, like I said, if it's booked properly, now you have something to build up Ricochet even further on, especially against a good opponent like AJ. So that that would be my guess. And, and like I said, I hate hot-shotting the title this soon, but – in storyline, it makes sense, and it gives Paul something really good to work with going forward. Yep. No, I agree. I think it needs to be done. All right, we have uh, Roman Reigns and The Undertaker versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre in a no-holds-barred match. Basically, who's going to win? I think Roman and Taker. That would be really dumb. Could we see Kevin Owens get involved? Obviously, we think that's going to happen. Could Bray Wyatt get involved with The Undertaker? Are they setting that up? Are we going to get Taker versus Drew McIntyre from this? What do you think, Chris? Well, I'm kind of curious if on the pre-show they're going to put Drew versus – or not Drew, but uh, Dolph versus Kevin Owens uh, right off the bat. That's one thing that I think they might do. But, yes, I think that what's going to happen is Kevin – or not Kevin, but uh, Roman Undertaker are going to be running shit. Elias is going to come out, get wrecked, and then the Revival are going to come out, and it's sheer numbers against Taker and Roman. And then who comes in to save them? You know, your boy, Kevin Owens. Uh, That would be my guess on where they're going with that storyline. And that will shift Shane's focus from Roman to Kevin Owens to build on that storyline, um, which to me makes the most sense as far as what you can do from where they're currently at. I like it. I think that's the best option, uh, period. Um, all right, so then we have Kofi Kingston, WWE champion, going against Samoa Joe. All right, this is what I want to happen, so I'm just going to say it out in the universe. I don't expect it to happen. I think Kofi is going to hit maybe Samoa Joe with, like, Trouble in Paradise. Is that You think it's at the end of the match, Samoa Joe drops the floor, but, like, a lot of times when he gets hit by maneuvers, he rolls out of the ring. Kofi's like, fuck, as soon as that happened, Brock Lesnar's music hits. Brock sprints to the thing. Paul gives the guy the thing. They add him to the match in the process. Brock jumps in there, F5s the shit out of Kofi, as he's about to pin him, forgetting about Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe comes up behind the beast and fucking chucks his ass out and wins the championship. And that sets up Samoa Joe to be a monster on SmackDown. Chris, what do you think? I think that you get a situation where, like, uh, Joe is choking out Kofi and somehow Brock comes in and either pins both of them or wraps them both in some kind of leg bar and submits both of them or something weird like that because WWE loves when people pin multiple people. It's like, well, he didn't really pin me. He pinned this guy and I pinned that guy. They're like, they'll do that and then set up some kind of fucking three-way or some shit. 
That would be my guess based on how WWE books shit, which will be terrible. The other option is Kobe just wins clean and then Brock demolishes them. But I do think Brock, for whatever reason, it's the way I think it's the way Paul walked through that shot with Kofi cutting the promo that really thinks, makes me think that, like, we got to get the yep. title off Kofi, but the only way to really do it is to put it on Brock without people completely turning against the company. So that that's my guess. Well, we'll have to find out on that one. Those are all the matches. Oh, wait, no, never mind. There is still another one. The winners take all Extreme Rules match, uh, intergender match, Seth Rollins, Universal Champion, and Becky Lynch, the Raw Women's Champion, going against Baron Corbin, and Lacey Evans. Um, Seth and Be- Becky are going to win. Um, that's that's all. If they don't, oh, wow, if you want to create some heat, fucking go for it. And then I guess have them break up in the storyline. Who do you think is going to win, uh, Chris? And do you think that either Brock Lesnar or Charlotte will be involved in this match in some way? Well, all right. So this is where it gets a little weird. I think they might put the title on Corbin and Lacey because it's supposed to be extreme rules, no disqualification. So intergender rules aren't the same as they should be, which in theory means that Corbin could just kill Becky and get the pin. So that's a guess on what might happen just because of how behind Corbin they are for whatever the fuck reason. Um, it's bad for God. Becky. It's bad, bad for Seth. The optimist in me thinks that, like, you know, Becky puts Corbin in a disarmor and wins the match. But who the hell knows? But I do not expect, if Lesnar shows up to this event, I do not expect him to get involved in this match whatsoever because he probably looks at it and goes, God, what a bullshit match to be a part of. <laughs> if I was Brock, Seriously. that's how I would look at it. He's like, do I want to be a part of the Samoa Joe Kofi match or this weird mixed intergender tag match like I'm assuming that if you're going to go that way it's Brock is going to be in the other match well I, I think he would make the right decision uh, within that but uh, yeah that's a very dark dark path to go my friend but it's something different um, oh lord I hope that doesn't happen for, for the love of uh for the love of Jesus. Uh, well, I hope that anyway. doesn't happen either. I really do hope that doesn't happen. It's just I'm, I'm conditioned by the but that's scary. It's conditioned by WWE, man. How fucking they want Baron Corbin in the main event. If you give him the title, he's going to be in the main event no matter what. <laughs> All right, so we we put out two different sets of thoughts, you know. Obviously, Chris is admitting that he doesn't like his, but that was his and it makes a lot of sense. Do mine instead with Samoa Joe choking out Brock Lesnar. Please, 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 eight pounds, little baby Jesus. Um, That is a reference to a movie. Anyways, that's it, guys. That is the show. That is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We talked a lot about wrestling. We have a lot to go over next week. We'll be going over, obviously, the Evolved 10th Anniversary. We'll be going over AEW, Fight for the Fallen. We'll be going over WWE Extreme Rules. We'll be checking to see what we also, you know, uh, thought of this and uh, highlighting some of the matches that will be taking place in the G1 tournament. So there's a lot of wrestling to cover in the next upcoming weeks. Um, 
Hope you guys enjoy the show. Chris, say goodbye to all the wonderful people out there. Goodbye, everybody. And if you want to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at Chris R. Patton. You can find me on Facebook at Christopher Ray Patton in the Hall County area or the Gwinnett County area. That'll be me. Um, I'm Kermit. It's my icon. So if you want a private chat, talk to me, hit me on Twitter, whatever. Uh, We'd love to talk to you guys, get questions, comments, whatever. But, uh, yeah, great show, Dane. Loved it. Thank you. No problem, man. And you can find me on Facebook at uh, Dane Alves. That's D-A-N-E and A-L-V as in Victor E-S. Dane Alves on Facebook. But obviously you can find me on Geek Vibes Nation, uh, the Facebook page. We've got an Instagram. We've got a Twitter. We've got a website, gvnation.com. That's G-V as in Geek Vibes Nation, gvnation.com. You can find all of our news articles for various things that we cover, including professional wrestling, sports, comic book movies, comics, video games. You find it geeky. Geek Vibes Nation covers it. We also have hookups to our Spotify account, so you can find all of our podcasts on that platform, uh, our iTunes account, and our blog talk account. And our YouTube with a bunch of content on there. Go check it out, guys. Let us know what you think. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and let the Geek Vibes be with you. And that's the bottom line, just don't go set